there's no way I can do this church planning thing unless I'm drawing from God daily. And I can tell if I went, if I went back and looked at every week that we've lived here and I, and I could, I could kind of color code it, whether I felt dialed in as a church planter or failing as a church planter or having a good week as a church planter or having a bad week, that that would be directly related to how much time I was spending trying to be connected with God. Welcome to Discipleship Conversations, a Mission Alive podcast with Jeremy Hoover and Stephen Carazel. Hello, friends. Welcome to Discipleship Conversations. Uh, we're here with part two of our conversation with Jeremy and Devin Hoover. And I'm again joined by my guest podcast co-host, Lisa Vance, here for uh, continuing the conversation with uh, Jeremy and Devin. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Good. I'm so glad that we've been able to have this uh, conversation together with uh, the Hoovers. Uh, it's been a delight to to have you be a guest host along with me. Um, I think it's been helpful to have someone who has known the Hoovers for a while and excited to be in the conversation with them. Um, as we as we think about the interview that we just had in this second part, uh, what's something that stood out to you about the that you heard from them? Okay, well, I just wanted to mention in the intermission, we got to talk a little bit more specifically about Kathleen Avenue, where they minister. And I could hear loud and clear how much they love that neighborhood that they serve. And though uh, we didn't tape that part, I just want to let the listeners know that uh, they are very passionate. And it made me want to go there and see Kathleen Avenue, as I, I heard them describe uh, the space, their mission space, where they are. But um, of course, being a woman and the wife of a church planter too, I'm always interested to learn from the other women. So I think I heard a thread through this second episode in listening to Devin, specifically about prayer and the importance of prayer to her, uh, whether it's uh, her own prayer or calling out to others to pray. That was really um, encouraging for me. I think that's really good. And it's interesting as we were just talking just a bit before we started recording here, how that stood out to you, because in your own episode, that is something you talked about is important to you. And part of your ministry uh, is prayer. And uh, I think that uh, it just maybe rung in your heart uh, with uh, that ideal. Uh, and I, again, I would encourage people to, if you haven't yet, go listen to the two episodes with Kevin and Lisa Vance and learn more about their story in Saskatchewan. Um, what stood out to me with Jeremy, he said something about, I don't know if he said it quite like this, but this is how I summed it up, that discipleship for the church begins with my own discipleship, our their own discipleship, that it is... Uh, you can't it's and church planting uh, 
in regular church, I guess regular church, traditional church, you may get away with just running programs for people and not really be cognizant or super aware or intentional in your own discipleship. But in church planting, uh, it almost sounds like you won't make it if you don't attend to your own discipleship. And that's what leads the church in their discipleship. And so that was really powerful to me to listen to that, because I think that's important uh, for everyone in some kind of church leadership position to pay attention to what is happening with our own lives. Mm-hmm. So and it hasn't been an easy year with COVID, has it? No, it, it hasn't. Uh, that, that's uh, been a struggle of theirs as well. And so uh, as with everybody, but as I think you'll say in this episode, three quarters of their church planting time has taken place in during COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, striking uh, to think about uh, whatever dreams and plans you had going in uh, is uh, are, are being reworked in a lot of different ways. So just before we go into this, I want to say thank you again, Lisa, for uh, joining me in, in this, uh, in these two episodes. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's uh, listen to this part two with Jeremy and Devin Hoover. Welcome back to part two of our discipleship conversation with Jeremy and Devin Hoover from Love First Church in Sarnia, Ontario. Uh, I'm just really enjoying our visit and I wanted to know um, for you guys, now that you're two years into your church plant, what do you wish you knew when you started? <laughs> um, boy, I could write a book on that. I, but I think this is something I've shared with several people, uh, and this is my answer. But one, the one thing that I really wish we had done differently was finding a team to move to Sarnia with us that really never came up in our conversation about any of this. And there's a couple reasons why I, why I say that number one is it's, it's kind of lonely being the really the only ones here trying to organize and, 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 uh, and lead and try to establish something, which is not to say that we don't have a lot of friends in the city, but that came after some time. And uh, even though we may have friends, they're not super or actively connected with love first. And so it's still, it's Devin and I trying to figure out what we're going to do and organize it. And so, so I wish we had a team. I think it would have made it easier in a lot of ways to go down to Kathleen Avenue uh, with a group who could have been praying together and discerning what is it that God wants us to do and to go down there with a bit of a, of a presence. It's in some ways it's difficult to call ourselves love first church when it's just our family. Uh, Now I I would say that we do have a church. In fact, I just recently wrote a newsletter article where I was writing about the question, when does a group of believers call itself a church? And I realized as I've thought about that question that I've been reluctant to call a group of five or six a church, but I shouldn't have been reluctant because a group of five or six believers is a church. And so 
I think that dynamic shifted and changed some. Although I would still say one of the things that Devin and I talk about a fair amount is that just not really having mature Christian believers to walk with as we think about our church planning journey. And so for me, uh, the one thing that I wish I knew back before we came was take the time to find at least one other couple who would come with us. That's great. How about you, Devin? Is there something you wish you knew that you know now? <laughs> I think um, to understand that it's much harder than you think it will be. And, you know, setting small, realistic goals is more attainable and you get less frustrated or disappointed than setting a big goal and it doesn't happen as quickly as you expect it to. Um, and because it is just our family and, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of most of the homeschooling and he doesn't have like another guy to go out and do things with a lot of the times. Um, things are maybe a little slower because it's just our family. Um, and then I think, I think too, that, that you really need a good support system. Um, I've got a couple friends that I can, you know, ask to pray for us for in, about anything. And that's really, really important. Um, I think at first when I didn't know anyone here to lean on, I had to rely on those previous friendships. And after COVID hit, it was really hard not to be able to see my support system in person and have those hugs. Um, but at least it was good that we could talk on the phone or we could text and we could call, pray for each other. Um, Cause I think without, without someone to lean on and someone to talk to and bounce ideas off of, it, it's, you can get in a real lonely place. Mm -hmm. Good. Is there anything else um, you would say the last two years has taught you about church planting or as a church planter? Yeah, I would say the need for patience and, uh, and what I learned about pivoting has I've really learned that the last two years. And again, when, when I was in the traditional church, I, I did not have to learn patience. Uh, if we, you know, if we had a Wednesday night Bible study, then people showed up and the only question might've been, well, we only had, you know, 40% of our group come on, come on Wednesday night. How can we try to increase that number? But we still had uh, we, we still knew that we would get a result for doing the event here. I could run an event and maybe get nobody like literally nobody to come. And so I've had to learn that I've had to learn a lot of, around patience, around developing and building relationships and letting those move at the pace of the person I'm trying to build the relationship with. And so while I would like to be able to write a monthly newsletter that says, Hey, I've, I've discipled a dozen people to conversion. 
uh, it, it's really unrealistic to, to expect, and I can't expect that. And so I have to be, I, I've got to be patient on those terms. And then, like I've said, of learning about pivoting that, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I would say probably in the first six months, first nine months here, I felt like I was failing as a church planner because I felt a lot of burden and expectation to build and establish a church where we had a Sunday service and we had people coming to it and uh, we were going to begin taking up a collection. And what, uh, what I was finding out was that, that we started with a good number and it got smaller week after week after week. And when I felt pressured to begin talking about a contribution, um, our numbers began uh, dropping off even more at that point. And so uh, right before the, the COVID thing hit and everything had to shut down, I was really feeling like I can't, I'm not cut out for this. And I was able to, when things shut down there, have a lot of time to think through and get back on track with my own thinking about what church planning was and find a way to, uh, to, to kind of reboot myself and what love first was in this, in this direction that's more patient and pivots and focuses on, uh, kind of this one-to-one discipleship relationship that we have with people. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Devin, uh, did you have anything to say on that? Or there's another one here is what is some advice you'd pass to a new church planter? So either something you've learned in the last two years or, or advice that you'd pass along. I think um, everything that Jeremy said, you know, I feel too. Um, but also this understanding that you need to be flexible and like he said, pivot, you, you have to be able to, you know, if with one door shut, another opens, right. And to try something different. And I think what really opened our eyes to that was when we had our first lockdown from COVID and we couldn't meet in person anymore. We couldn't even meet outside. So we went to having online Zoom meetings just so we could see each other and still connect. And I think that's really, really important. If one thing doesn't work, it's fine to try something else. You don't have to stay on this road where something's not working. Yeah. Yeah, it's so different than working with an established group, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, wow. Thank you for sharing those. And it's hard to uh, imagine what that's like. Uh, you know, you, uh, Jeremy and Devin, you've made that shift from established church into church planting. I haven't made that. I still work with a traditional church uh, system, and that you know, you do things, and people are already there, and uh, kind of acculturated to the way of church, which is you know, for some people that's social, for other people that's very spiritual connection and about moving their lives along in the way of Jesus. Uh, I just, I think it's very different, particularly when we hear 
stories of churches that started really small and blew up and become really big churches. And I think everybody tries to tries to measure that. But when you get down to it, um, and I think it was it's interesting, Lisa, that you're on this uh, asking the questions here with me because I was just listening to y'all's episode uh, yesterday and heard Kevin talk about your husband talk about uh, this idea of discipleship that I'm about to ask about. And he was reading the book of Luke and recognizing I'm a good church member. I don't know how good of a disciple I am. And to be able to kind of set that in two different spaces and to think about that. And so when you're developing a ministry from from scratch, what does discipleship look like, Jeremy and Devin? What what do you do? You talk about discipleship. What words do you use? Uh, how do you talk about a connection with with Jesus as opposed to a connection with a group? Uh, what's that language like in your in your ministry? Wow, that's uh, <laughs> you know, you and I ask that all the time. And now that you just asked me that, I, I'm a little taken aback at the at the depth of what that question represents. And I think, uh, again, when, when we first came, uh, discipleship for me was trying to get people to come to the events that we were doing where we could teach them and try to get them reading the Bible and, and uh, doing what it said. We were trying to use a modified form of the discovery process that gets people into the Bible for themselves. Um, and it, you know, we had mediocre results with it. And uh, about that time I was uh, talking regularly to Blake Birchfield and uh, him and I were sharing a lot of the same things. He had started just a few months before we did him and Katie and uh, him and I were, would talk about, realizing how much being a church planter meant focusing on our own relationship with God first. And I had this, this scary realization that when I was working as a preacher, I could have done my job and not even been a Christian. Now that's, I'm not saying that I, that's not obviously the case, but I, I'm saying I, I could have, there, there was nothing that I did as a preacher that I had to rely on God for, except, uh, except that, that I did. I don't know if that make that clarification makes sense. I mean, obviously in my, in my own practice, I prayed for help as I was preparing lessons. I prayed for help that I would preach. Well, I prayed for help before I spoke to somebody but I, I realized I could have done all those things and not been a believer, but there's no way I can do this church planning thing unless I'm drawing from God daily. And I can tell if I went, if I went back and looked at every week that we've lived here and I, and I could, I could kind of color code it, whether I felt dialed in as a church planter or failing as a church planter or having a good week as a church planter, or having a bad week, that that would be directly related to how much time I was spending trying to be connected with God. 
And so disciple, I know I'm not, I know you asked about how do we do discipleship in the church? And I'm trying to answer that by saying that I had to, I had to learn for myself what it means to be a disciple. And so what I'm doing in the church is trying to adopt a lot of the language that we use in the mission alive discipleship cohorts around yielding and submission uh, to God, that being a disciple is not uh, coming to our summer kids camp, coming to our dinner church, coming to our Wednesday Bible study. Some of that would be considered as fruit of being a disciple, but being a disciple is that constant daily struggle of learning how to yield to God that day about what is it God wants me to or needs me to do today. And how is that? How is God shaping and forming me to do that? What is he trying to eradicate out of my life? Because that's creating noise uh, that's preventing me from hearing him. And so, but again, having said that, I want to make sure that I'm being very clear in this interview. I'm, I'm having to learn all that first for myself. And so the discipleship that we're trying to do is really experimental at this point, because I, I'm, we're trying to share, I'm trying to share out of what I'm learning today and uh, feeling as though I, I was at a deficit coming in because I don't know that I that I understood discipleship when we moved here to the extent that I understand it now. And what I understand now, obviously is still imperfect. I've got a long way to go. That's really good. So to, for both of you answer, if you could, I'm going to start a sentence and you can, there's no right answer. So I'd like both of your perspectives to be a disciple. Then to be a disciple is to be concerned about, Um, I'll, I'll go first so that Devin's got a, a minute to think here. I'm, obviously, I'm familiar with the question. Uh, I, I think for me, I would say to be a disciple is to be concerned about God's call on my life and everything that's associated with that in terms of like, what does that, what does that mean to make that statement? It means um, like Jesus talks about. Uh, if you're going to follow me, you need to pick up a cross and deny yourself daily. And so even though I'm far from doing that, uh, my goodness, is that a, a difficult thing to even talk about? But uh, I think a disciple has to ask, what cross is God calling me to carry today? And what what does that mean in terms of how my life needs to change and the th and the values and priorities that I need to adopt? Okay, Devin, how about you? Do you have a so a way that you would finish that sentence? Yeah, uh, so. To me, to be a disciple is to be um, concerned and looking for the areas where, where God is leading me um, to try to be in tune to those things 
we talked to the kids about, you know, how is God leading you today? How do you, you know, what do you feel God is wanting you to do? Or um, a person that we feel we need to, you know, reach out to. And I think um, one of the biggest things for us is just letting others see how we live. Letting other people see that this is not just a, you know, Sunday lifestyle, that it's an everyday lifestyle on how we relate to our family, how we parent, how we look at our relationships with other people. It's every day. And, you know, they're able to ask questions, you know, why we do certain things the way we do or why we're here. And, you know, it's definitely a, a daily walk. That's really good. I like the way you just talked about how you talk about that regularly with your kids, asking those questions. It's really nurturing them in a, in a direction to think about that as they, as they grow older. So as you think about that in terms of your ministry, what does, you know, what gets you excited? What, what is it that you see in somebody? What kind of progress makes you excited? Uh, what does progress look like in someone's life that may not have ever really been connected to a, a, a Christian community of any kind? Um, yeah, that's good. This may sound counter to what you asked, but I am learning to not have any expectations for people. And I, I say that just because I used to have a lot of expectations for people, uh, you know, church people. I, I expected them to come to the Bible study that we had. I expected them to come to the outreach program that we had. And if they didn't, I would find their, their uh, discipleship to be suspect. And, uh, and, and obviously in most cases that's wrong and improper and inappropriate, but, and, but now, um, what real, what really excites me, uh, even though I try not to have expectations for people is when somebody says something or does something that shows that they're taking responsibility for their own spiritual growth. Uh, so if somebody like every once in a while, I'll have, uh, one of our participants will call me and tell me about a conversation she had with her mother about, uh, something spiritual and she'll ask my input on it. And, uh, I, I try to, I celebrate that because she, you know, they're having that conversation on their own and it's something that one or the both of them had been thinking about. And so I, I find that meaningful. Uh, when another guy tells me when, when we're visiting together and he tells me about the people that he's gone, that he's helped in the past week, and he doesn't know the Bible that well, but he'll say to me that he did, he did, he helped all these people because he knows that God wanted him to do that. And so, uh, you know, these are not people that would sit in a Bible study and be able to 
to give answers out of the Bible. They might not even feel like they're tracking with the lesson if somebody else was teaching it. But in their own way, they're internalizing what we talk about when we're in the group together or, or what, uh, what, what they've been able to get out of the Bible reading that they've done when they've done it. And so, so I find that really meaningful. It's slow progress. But to me, that's, that's a benchmark that we need to pay attention to is what, how, fo how folks view their own growth and how they're growing into their own perception of what growth is, rather than me giving them benchmarks that they need to try to live up to. That's really good. I appreciate uh, the perspective of low expectations, uh, rather than defining what it is you want out of people um, and letting, letting that happen naturally more for themselves. Devin, is there anything you would add to that as far as what you notice in, in the lives of people that you work with? For me, uh, the magic is in the one-on-one -on -one conversations with people and even just messages or texts. It doesn't have to be in person. Um, you know, if they, if they message me and say, I, I was really thinking a lot about what you said and I'm gonna try this that, you know, that's just beautiful, you know. Um, I think to that someone trusts me enough to, to talk to me and confide in me, um, I don't know, there's no words to describe that. It just makes me think that we're definitely doing what we're supposed to be doing. And I just want more, more of that, you know. I think I get more out of the one-on-ones than in a big group setting. Um, I mean, bigger groups, great, because you get to connect with a lot of people. Kids get to see more people. Um, but I, yeah, I think the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, you get more, more questions, more in-depth, um, and then things to follow up with them after too. Devin's really good with that kind of one-on-one -on -one stuff. Like she, people are, are messaging her all the time. I, I would love to get rid of my social media. And the last thing I want to see when I come in is, oh, I've got four Facebook messages. Uh, I wonder who they're from. And then, uh, and then Devin will be telling me, well, this person had this happen. And did you know about this? And I'll be like, how did you know that? And it's because she's met, people are messaging her and she's messaging back and forth. And uh, so that she, she helps me stay up on a lot of what's happening with the people that we associate with. That's good. That's beautiful. I appreciate that. Yeah, I was just going to comment too. I think with COVID and how um, some of our uh, gatherings in Canada have been restricted over the last couple of years that um, being able to text and call and message has really been an avenue of ministry in place of being yeah. see people face to face. So I really appreciate that you've been able to do that. And I wanted to comment on something Jeremy said about, um, you know, seeing people taking responsibility for their own discipleship. The image I got when you were saying that is that the yeast working through the dough, you know, how the kingdom of God is like 
uh, the yeast, you know, starts off small and then it moves off even beyond, you know, where, where you are and mm. takes, takes root in people's lives and produces and bubbles up. And <laughs> so that's exciting to hear. Um, I know, Jeremy, you talked a little bit about how your own personal discipleship um, has been very key in uh, your ministry. And in fact, I think you said you had to kind of put yourself in a place where you had to rely on God, really, and, and realized how key that your own relationship with God was. But I'm just wondering for Devin, um, did you have any comment on that question about what have you learned um, about personal discipleship on this journey? Like your think, own, your own. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I have just really learned to rely on prayer a lot more than I had to before. <laughs> um, especially when my support system wasn't here. Right. And, um, like I was telling you bef before the interview started here, I was very sick and we think I probably did have COVID before they were testing for it. I was in bed for five weeks and honestly did not think I was going to make it. And to, to lay there in bed crying, feeling like um, my kids aren't going to have a mom, you know, it is really, really eye-opening and uh, just that you have, you just have to, you got to rely on God, you got to pray and, you know, have that relationship with your spouse. And I'm not very good at these kinds of questions. Um, I think what, what you were sharing is like, that was an intense experience yes. to kick off your church. Yes. Yep. For sure. Cause we, we weren't here. I don't know, maybe six months. Didn't really know very many people was mm -hmm. homesick. Um, just for my regular life where we came from, right. It's like, how do, how do I, what do I do here? I don't, <laughs> we volunteered at the school, you know, in scouts. I was, I, oh, I had all of these, um, commitments and now it's like, this is it. And to have to shift focus and just really had to rely on God to get me through that time. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's really beautiful to hear um that's, as for with all of us that that should be the first thing that we do and yet it's often something difficult that puts us into that moment uh, and so i really appreciate you sharing that Devin. that uh that struggle that that uh just that through the into prayer but also through that uh, the time of illness and just wondering about life itself. Uh, thankful for your ministry and your work and your family and all that y'all are doing there in Sarnia. Uh, so as we kind of bring this to a close, uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with y'all, how would they do that? Uh, something maybe 
for each of y'all or, or something for your ministry? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk on that, Stephen, but I, I wanted, I wonder if I could just kind of make a comment. Like we've, there's some things that we've kind of touched on about our church planning experience, but I think there's something that we can say that would give, uh, that would maybe would give some hope to established church planters who maybe feel like they've run into a lull or prospective church planters who are thinking about it. Um, just in the sense that, you know, when, when we moved here, we were full of optimism. And then within six months to nine months, uh, COVID hit and three quarters of our church plant has happened during the pandemic. And in Ontario, it was brutal. We had, uh, first of all, our, the, because of our context, uh, working on, on this Kathleen Avenue street, uh, and not having a place to meet, it's very difficult to gather people in the winter time. And so that, so that's one challenge that we had about five months in. And then we, so we rolled into winter and then Devin mentioned her illness, uh, where she was down for five or six weeks, uh, which, which was difficult for her. It was difficult for our family. Um, obviously, trying to do a church plant through that as well. And then we got locked down for months. And then we had a break of about three months and we got locked down again. And then we were into the winter time uh, when we just couldn't do much. And I, I had a tremendous plan for the spring, but we got locked down again. And uh, finally we're coming uh, and that, that lockdown went through clear to the end of June. And so uh so it's been difficult, but I want to say to church planters of all stripes, including prospective ones, that uh, even though you don't know what your what circumstances you're going to walk to walk into, that uh, that you can persevere through it. And I feel like somebody might be able to stand outside of our circumstances and say, "Well, they really haven't accomplished a lot in in two years." But I would say I'm really proud of what we've accomplished and we've persevered and we've tried to build relationships and, and we've, we've worked with whatever we were given uh, when, when all we could do was, was online stuff. We did Zoom meetings and tried to communicate with people uh, when, we could, when we could gather outside because the weather was nice, but we couldn't gather with groups. We did one-on-ones. Uh, we'd meet out of the, we'd meet out at a park to hang out with people. We'd uh, I'd I'd meet one guy out for lunch somewhere where we could order lunch and sit at a table outside. Uh, and we would do this in March when it was cold, and we'd do it in October and November when it was cold. But that's what we were able to do. And so I just wanna I want to say that if you if you're thinking about church planning, whether you're, you're in it right now and you're stuck, or you're thinking about it. The, some of the, the key values that I think are so important are perseverance and creativity. And uh, you, you, there's always a way that you can reach out to somebody. There's always a way to stay connected. And I think we've had, we've learned the hard way through a lot of that, but we persevered. And I think I, I'm, I'm hopefully optimistic now that COVID will be in our rear view mirror going forward, at least here in Ontario. 
And I'm, I'm optimistic about what we're going to be able to do. But if we were to get locked down again, I believe that we have some tools and resources now that will allow us with Love First Church to keep persevering through whatever trials come. Good. And then how can somebody get <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's what you asked. So, uh, yeah, what question could I ask that would get you to that answer? You, you can ask me directly now and I'll answer it. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we're going to have a website up by the time this episode comes out, uh, that folks can go to just a very bare bones thing, because I, I don't want to put a lot out there right now. I think we're still finding our way with a lot of it, but the website will be lovefirstmission.ca and folks can go to that to find out more information. Uh, they can email me at jeremyhoover at gmail.com. Uh, they can call me, I guess, if they want, uh, number would be 519-312-8755. Or I've got a Facebook profile that they can go to, I, I, or LinkedIn if, if folks like that. And I would love to talk more about what we're doing and, uh, would love to hear from some of our, our listeners. Very good. We've been talking with Jeremy and Devin Hoover in Sarnia, Ontario. That's in Canada. Uh, We're thankful for the time we've had to talk with y'all. Jeremy, it's been fun to ask you the questions. And uh, Devin, thanks for uh, joining along and answering the questions. I know that 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 hasn't been the easiest, but I really appreciate uh, how you've given your perspective in uh, this church plant. And Lisa, I want to say, great job. Thanks for joining me in this little endeavor as we put Jeremy on the other side of the mic. And so thanks for helping me do that. Um, That's all for now. We'll hope to catch you next time on another episode of Discipleship Conversations. Thanks for listening to this Discipleship Conversation. We invite you to share this episode and tune in next time for another conversation. We also invite you to subscribe and rate the podcast through your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments and questions to media at missionalive.org. Check out the episode show notes and learn more about the podcast and other Mission Alive media resources at missionalive.org media. Intro and outro music is by audionautics.com. Mission Alive works to bring about the holistic transformation of marginalized communities through starting and renewing innovative churches that address the most challenging issues faced by their neighbors. Learn more about what we do and how to connect at missionalive.org.